Well, everybody has a heritage. Jesus had a heritage. He had a father. And today we're going to conclude our series on Average Joes, talking about Joseph's, Jesus, uh, Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father. It's kind of interesting stuff. Heritage is interesting. I, I like all our girls are home, and I like it when people say they look alike. You know, they, they look like their mother. That's kind of nice. And, and I don't like it so much when they say they have a, dis, a sweet disposition. Did you adopt them? I, I think that's not really very nice. But um, we take Christmas pictures, everybody takes Christmas pictures, and we see them now posted on Facebook and other places, and, and they're great. Christmas pictures are awesome. There are some do's and don'ts that you kind of want to be aware of, and so uh, I'm going to show you some pictures of some fails on this, just so you'll know not to do this. If you've ever done this, um, you should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, all right, so here's some. Uh, dressing alike. Now, that's okay for the kids. The kids are cool. But uh, when mom and dad get into it, a little weird. All right. Um, if you're going to go uh, Little House on the Prairie, put on some clothes. I, that's all I got to say about it. Because that's a little creepy. Now, um, I was going to say you should smile. But if you were wearing that, would you smile? So really, I don't know that you can blame them. Open your eyes. Uh, opening your eyes. Really important on a Christmas photo. Um, somebody's not happy about it. I, I don't, I don't. Now, incorporating your pet can be okay, but you don't want to overdo it. Um, that says world's best dad uh, with a dog there. So maybe too much, maybe a bit much. And then the, the far off look of the cat here. Um... And the hat on the cat. I'm thinking not good. Not too good. All right, and this is my, my favorite one. Um, because <laughs> every parent feels that way in January when we get the bills. Uh, so we, we know what that feels like. Okay, heritage. We're talking about heritage today. I, I read a poem the other day, and it kind of reminded me of this, about heredity. Um, See what you think. I saw a duck the other day. It had the feet of my Aunt Faye. Then it walked and headed south. It waddled like my Uncle Ralph. And when it turned, I must propose, its bill resembled my Aunt Flo's nose. I thought, oh no, it's just my luck. Someday I'll look just like a duck. I sobbed to Mom about my fears, but she said, son, dry all those tears. You look like me, so walk with pride. Those folks are all on your daddy's side. So, uh, um, today we're talking about Joseph. And Joseph is a bit of the odd man out because when you see most of the, the, the nativity scenes and most of the nativity pictures, especially painted early, um, they focus on Mary, they focus on Jesus. There are some dudes here. I'm suspecting, let me see if I can get my little, uh, oh, I went too far. Boop, boop, boop. This, oh yeah, I think that might be, be Joseph, but I'm not sure. Uh, he's about to get horned, uh, he's about to get poked in the eye. Um, so, there's this, um, this idea that, that Mary was highly favored, it says in Scripture. Mary was highly favored. I think Joseph was highly favored as well. Because he had the opportunity to influence Jesus as he grew up. Now, I had the great privilege of having an awesome dad, and my dad influenced me, and I had the opportunity to work with him for five years, and I learned 
man, I've got a lot of degrees and I've been to a lot of school, but I learned more from my dad just working with him. I, I talk about being in, at the University of Lawrence Vest. I learned watching him. We, he, he owned a muffler shop and I worked for, with him for five years and I watched him deal with, um, with customers. I saw him provide you know, good service and, and customer service and I saw how he interacted with, with people and, and I saw frustration when we could you know, hardly make our bills and and so I, I saw how he handled life. And I suspect that Jesus saw how Joseph handled life and how he had a business and how he ran his business and how he treated his mother. And, and I think he must have had this amazing influence on his son. And so, yes, Mary was highly favored. I think Joseph was highly favored as well. And and. Joseph is sort of the odd man out in the Christmas story. Look, in this picture, Jesus is front and center. Mary is prominent. Poor old Joseph, he got in the picture, but barely. Uh, this kind of looks like one of the selfies I take. Okay, so uh, this, this is what we see. And we're going to look at the story today. We're in Luke, uh, uh, we're in Matthew 1, we're going to be in Luke as well. Look at this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, really important, by the way, to note that he was a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of of, uh, Hebrew words, expressions, because these were Jewish people who were in a Jewish culture, and you kind of need to know what this is all about. So... This whole thing where it says that they were pledged to be married, it was a binding contract. It was called a caducian. A caducian. And, and so you would either families sort of arranged marriages for their kids or uh, adults would kind of enter a contract time of here are, we're committing to one another. It's an engagement period, but a little different than what we have because very little social interaction during this time. It's usually about a year long. Um, and really the purpose was to make sure both parties were, were, um, were not fooling around, basically. Uh, the, the guy getting married wanted to know his bride-to-be was not fooling around. The bride-to-be wanted to make sure the guy wasn't fooling around. And, and it was a kind of a, a social contract. It was a big deal, and, and it was binding. And you, this was tantamount to being married, except they just didn't have any um, physical uh, relations yet. Now, then the wedding happens. It's called the Nisuin. And the wedding lasted oftentimes uh, up to seven days. Can you imagine? As a dad with girls who are going to get married, I'm thinking about, okay, um, weddings cost a lot of money. And, and can you imagine a seven-day wedding where you had to feed people and house people and give them snacks? And, and so because it was so expensive, there was kind of a dowry. It's also called the mohar. And the, the dowry was, okay, if I wanted my daughter um, to get married, you as the, the groom, your people were going to have to come up with some coin. You're going to have to pay for this. You're going to have to help me a little bit. And so it could be livestock or it could be money, but the, 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 the groom's family would come up with some money and this kind of paid as a dowry. And it served as a couple of, it served a couple of purposes. One is it helped offset the cost of the wedding, the cost of the Nisun. But it also did a couple other things. 
when I, when I as a, a groom, would give that money to the father of the bride, then he held it in trust. And it was sort of a life insurance policy. And if the husband died, the, the, the dad would give that money to his daughter whose husband had died. So it was kind of a life insurance policy. It was also kind of a, a divorce insurance policy. It's kind of interesting. If I gave that money to the, the dad and I married his daughter and um, I divorced her, then I didn't get my money back. However, if I gave that money to the dad and the dad kept it in trust and then eventually the dad dies, he wills that to his daughter and I get my money back. So as the person who gave the dowry, I'd like to stay married because eventually it would pay off. So this was serious business. When it said pledge to be married, uh, to marry, that was a big, big deal. Unlike today, it was a huge deal. Also unlike today, very uncommon for somebody to have a child outside of marriage. It just sort of didn't happen. And while it's much more common today, uh, not very common back then. And so this is the predicament we find ourselves in. You have an engaged girl who wasn't supposed to be fooling around all of a sudden she finds herself pregnant and you have a groom, you have a, a fiancé who now has to decide what to do with the situation. Let's pick up the story. But after he had considered putting her away quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take her Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Um, now, this is the kind of dream where it's not the kind of dream, bad dream where, you know, like if you have anchovies on your pizza and you have a bad dream, it's not like that. This is the dream that's a reality. Have you ever dreamed that your uh, alarm was going off only to wake up and your alarm's going off? You, you ever had that? You ever dreamed, uh, moms, that your kid is throwing up only to wake up to find that your kid is throwing up? I mean, sometimes it sort of you, it just happens. Well, this was an angel, and in the midst of this dream, this angel shows up, and every, it's like every time an angel shows up, they have to say, don't be afraid. Uh, with the shepherds, what's the first thing they said? Don't be afraid. With Mary, don't be afraid. With Zechariah, don't be afraid. Evidently, they're ominous and intimidating, and they have to tell people to not fear. And the angel did a couple of things. He provided comfort, don't fear, and he provided direction. This is what you're supposed to do. Don't fear. This is what you're supposed to do. And hey, what Mary said to you is true. And you can take this, uh, you take her to be your wife. And you can take that son to be your son. And, and then it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her uh, until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. It is ultimately important, and, and it is reiterated over and over in Scripture that Mary was a virgin, that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's a big deal in, in our theology. I don't understand all of it. I, look, I, I don't know how it worked, honestly. It doesn't mean I don't believe it. It certainly doesn't mean I don't teach it. I, I believe that. And while it's physiologically hard to get my mind around, it's physiologically hard to get my mind around the universe and stars and how other things work. And so uh, the God of the universe who created all things could certainly make this happen. But that's part of, of what 
we believe, what we teach, the virgin birth. Now, remember the, the words to Mary were you're highly favored. Well, here I have to wonder if Joseph felt highly favored. But what it does say about him is he was a righteous man. Being a righteous man, he, he was going to make the right decision. Righteousness is simply being in a right relationship with God. And so we're going to talk about, for the next couple of minutes, what does it look like to be in a right relationship with God? What, what, what did Joseph do that, we, that modeled for us what we can do as well? So let's look at a couple of things. Number one, do the things you know to do. There's certain stuff I just know that I'm supposed to do it. In uh, the book of Matthew, Jesus starts teaching on, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and he teaches, and he, he talks about some stuff that's really difficult to do. Turn the other cheek. Um, it is so hard to do that, to, to turn the other cheek. Even coming to, to church this morning, somebody was uh, kind of riding my bumper. It's Christmas. Get off of me, man. Uh, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I didn't break check because I'm a Christian, and... Uh, uh, and I had to get to church. Uh, uh, but even, I, I mean, I was annoyed. I have to admit I was annoyed. There's nothing, I mean, isn't it great when, when God rewards your patience? So this is what happened. I'm coming down Reed School Road. Y'all know Reed School Road right up here. I'm coming toward the light. It turned green, and I made it, and the guy behind me didn't. Oh, it's, I mean, it was like I could hear the angels singing. Hallelujah. It was that moment for me. So it was great. Um, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus has this teaching and he talks about um, turning the other cheek and he talks about forgive uh, because you've been forgiven and he talks about going the extra mile. And those are difficult things to do. We can know to do them and not always do them. And, and to be a righteous man, what it meant was Joseph obeyed the law. And when it said don't steal, he didn't steal. And when it said, don't cheat, he didn't cheat. And when it says, you know, don't say bad things, he didn't say bad things. And he didn't have his carpentry shop open on the Sabbath to make a couple extra bucks. He was a righteous man, and people knew it. He had a reputation. If you're in business, one of the things you aspire to is to become the CEO of a business. If you're, um, uh, if you're an athlete... You don't want to just be an athlete, you want to be a starter. And then you aspire not just to be a starter, to be, but to be an all-star. I mean, we have aspirations to achieve. And, and the aspiration of a Jewish male was to be considered in public righteous. That means when people came to his shop, they knew they were going to get their money's worth. He wasn't going to cheat people. He was going to treat people right. This is a great reputation to have. In fact, Scripture says a, a great reputation is worth more than silver and gold. And Joseph had a great reputation in his community. The problem was, the problem was, he, has, he was a righteous man, and now he has a big problem. Because he has a fiancé who's pregnant. Now, I don't know how it works here in Taylor's Greer, but in a small town like I came from, Danville, Kentucky, people... Know your business. They all up in your business. Y'all know that? Y'all have ever felt this? Where people know what's going on in your life? Nazareth was tiny. People would know what was going on. And his reputation was at stake. He was a righteous man. It was a big deal to be a righteous man. 
What's interesting is being righteous didn't <laughs> evidently doesn't always preclude that you're not going to have problems. He did the right thing, and yet bad things happen to him. Number one, do the right thing that you know to do. Number two, be patient through the things you don't understand. Because there's going to be stuff you don't understand. Now, his reputation and his identity revolved around doing the right things. Some stuff doesn't go together, right? I mean, there are things that just don't go together. Martha Stewart doesn't go to Bojangles for Christmas dinner. She just doesn't. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Rosie O'Donnell is not going to be invited to the inauguration. It's just not going to happen, right? There's some stuff that doesn't go together. Being righteous and having a, a pregnant fiancé is not, does not go together in the Jewish culture. It was a huge deal. And there was law around this. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy. Uh, if, if a girl was found pregnant before she was married, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of the town shall stone her to death. I mean, that's harsh Old Testament law. Now, there were a couple other options, and, Jew, and, and Joseph was considering them. Well, I could divorce her publicly. And, and, and that was humiliating as well. What would happen is you would take her to the city square and you would say, I'm filing for a divorce. And they would say, what is the reason? Uh, in front of everybody, what is the reason for the divorce? And, and you would say, because she's with child and it's not mine. And you talk about humiliating for Mary and her parents in a small community. And so the other option, kind of the third option was you could put her away quietly, but still people were going to know. Now, look at this. Matthew, being a righteous man, didn't want to make that public example of her. Here's the dilemma. I'm a righteous man, and I do righteous stuff. And the right stuff to do would be, at the very least, to publicly expose her. Because I'm righteous, and she's not. Therefore, I, I am sort of by default required to expose her unrighteousness. Yet, he decides, at least he's considering, kind of, he's settled on a, an approach, I'm going to, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I, I'm going to minimize her suffering, but more importantly, I'm going to maintain my status. I'm still righteous, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm going to divorce her quietly. And while some people may say, well, dude, you should have exposed her publicly, at least my righteousness is intact. This is what's going on here. And after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Kind of been thinking this. Now, you read the story and you, ask, you have to ask yourself the question, before Mary got pregnant, an angel came and told her, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. Why didn't the angel come to Joseph before Mary got pregnant? Hey, this is what's going to happen to Mary. It's all good. He didn't do that. He didn't say, hey, look, man, this is what's going to happen. It's okay. You're going to hear it from No, he hears it from Mary, and now he's considering his options. The question then is, why didn't the angel, like he did for Mary, do a preemptive telling of what was going to happen? Why is that? I think this is an important key truth. It is possible that anxiety removal is not God's number one goal for our lives. It's possible. Per perhaps in the struggle, see, 
Joseph now has to struggle with. What does a righteous person do? What does a righteous person do? People, I have a reputation. People consider me righteous. What do I do? What does a righteous man do in this case? Perhaps, probably, God wanted him to wrestle a bit with what it looks like to be righteous. And maybe if something's going on in your life and it doesn't seem to be going the right way, or at least the right way for you, and you're a little discouraged, perhaps, just perhaps, like with Joseph, what God is doing is saying, hey, here's an opportunity for you to grow, to struggle, to think. Because it's possible that anxiety removal is not God's number one goal for our lives. So you do what you know to do. That, that's in, in, incredibly important. And, and then you're patient through the stuff you don't understand. And the third thing is you check your pride at the door. This is huge. And for men, you really need to listen. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What would he be afraid of? I mean, there's really no physical harm that could come to him. The fear would be your reputation, if you take her into your home, is going to be tarnished. And you need to know that. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're, you're going to have to, to sacrifice your reputation if you take her into your home. And there's going to be fewer invitations for dinner, and you might lose business, and respect is going to be right out the door. His reputation that he had taken a lifetime to develop would be trashed. And, and here's a truth that we shouldn't get past too quickly. God often challenges us at the point of our pride. At the point of our pride. Jesus did two things. Both of these are legal, by the way. Legal steps. He took Mary home as his wife and he named the boy. Both of those are legal things that he did. Now, by the way, it says he took Mary into his home. It doesn't say they even had a wedding. I don't know, maybe they did. It's not specifically stated. It's, it's not stated either way. But it was almost like they just sort of did it. They, he brought her into his home. He named the child. Both of these are legally... He's basically legally tying himself to Mary and her son. This is now is... The, the, the giving of the name was, was a, kind of an adoption. He is now my son. And you think his reputation didn't take a hit? I want to show you a verse. You may not have ever thought about this before. But in Mark 6, it says, the crowd says about Jesus, isn't this whose son? Who? M Mary's son? Ne never done in Jewish, in Jewish life. You, you were always considered your dad's son. Even if your dad was dead. It, this was never done. Th this was an insult, frankly. Th this was <laughs> insulting. Isn't this Mary's son? Not, not Joseph's son, because we know what happened. And decades later, Joseph's reputation still hasn't recovered. See, Joseph was a forerunner for the millions of people who made sacrifices for the sake of Christ. He, he made a sacrifice. And, and it wasn't a one-time thing. This was for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life, because of his obedience... There was a loss of respect. But he did the fourth thing, and this is huge. He lived without looking around, without considering what others said. And, and 
about Jesus one time, they said, look at him, he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. John Ortberg writes about this, and I like it so much, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. Maybe God decided that Jesus, who would be called the friend of sinners, should be raised in a family that knew firsthand what it felt like to be regarded as second-class citizens. Maybe part of why Joseph had a heart for unrepentance, I'm sorry, maybe uh, part of why Jesus had a heart for unrespectable people is that he was raised by a father who sacrificed his respectability for his son. Maybe one of the reasons Jesus had compassion on women who were walking scandals is that he knew what it meant to his mom that his father had stuck by her when she was single and pregnant and when all the self-righteous folks would have said, take a walk. I think of how Jesus, as he was growing up, must have admired Joseph's courage. In Matthew 5, I talked about it a minute ago, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. See, the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law was, I'm going to be respectable. Joseph's sort of surpassing righteousness was one of compassion and self-denial. Joseph saw Mary. He had compassion on her. He denied his own reputation. He sacrificed his own reputation so that she could have a husband and that Jesus could have a father. And, and Jesus modeled this for us as well. In Philippians it says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. When Mary was told, hey, you're going to be with, with child, she said, I am the Lord's, what? What was the word? Servants. Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's a British company called Tesco. Uh, recently, they uh, had an advertisement in the paper for somebody to work in their department store to untangle Christmas lights. That's her job, was to untangle. And you had to, let's see, the, the idea was you had to be able to untangle 10 feet of Christmas lights in less than three minutes. That's pretty fast. And then check all the bulbs. Now, if you've ever had a mangle of Christmas lights, I don't know if you've ever done this, um, wire cutters are great. Uh, because at some point, you just give up and you cut them and you call it a day. And you throw them away. There's a, our lives can get in a tangled mess. And, and yet Jesus came so that he might straighten us out, untangle the sin of our lives. Now, we've talked about Joseph, and that's kind of cool. And, and I love that story because I, I, I guess I, I needed to hear that my reputation with God is more important than my reputation with people. What God thinks about me is more important than anything else. One day I'm accountable to God and not other people. And man, that is a... It's a tough place to get to in life. We are called at times to sacrifice for Christ. But it's not because he hasn't sacrificed for us first. We forgive because Jesus forgave us. We love because he first loved us. The Bible talks about this all the time. We're thankful because of all that he does for us. And so at this Christmas season, and as we close this series, we're reminded... That God uses 
average people to do extraordinary things. Ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And Joseph was one of those people. And because he was obedient, even to the sacrifice of his own reputation, Jesus had an example growing up of what it looked like to be compassionate and to be self-sacrificing. Now, he probably would have been that anyway, but it didn't hurt to have it reinforced by a father who showed him what it looked like in the flesh.